we've been forced to stay in or go indoors and then stay indoors and that's the met that's the uh, metaphor isn't it and that's the i mean the that is our fear isn't it what's in the room that we haven't been in for a long time is it and i, well, I think what we're scared of is is sadness mm. and pain and vulnerability and grief probably grief for the things that we've left behind the things that we thought we we're going to do but we didn't do all that all that stuff is in there it's in that that dark and dusty room a lot of people think oh, i'd just love to have more time i'd love to be relaxed i'd love to be more open um m and most of i say most of us and you know, most people uh, the the our lives are quite tight in normal times it's like we don't experience significant pain and don't experience significant joy uh, so it's like it's almost it's for in the nervous system it's kind of frozen uh, but you can imagine it as like ice and when you when you go to a space the kind of spaces that you create and we create where you uh, you're allowing people to be more vulnerable and relax and do interesting exercises where people can get into that then it starts to melt the ice and as the ice melts it actually goes both ways so it means the pain some memories might arise and you might kind of remember, feel some pains so and there's a lot of tears on a retreat but also it's the other way where you you because because the water's now flowing there's the joy there's the mm -hmm. joy you haven't felt for years and there's the laughter and the giggling the insane giggling and the, i love the thing because you know sometimes tears and the laughing and the crying sound quite similar Welcome to the Happy Entrepreneur Podcast. This is a podcast for people who look at business differently. It's for founders, freelancers, change makers, and freedom seekers who want to make money, do good, and be happy. We choose the path of the happy entrepreneur not to get rich, but to express ourselves and serve others in the most authentic way we can. Many of us couldn't find our role by working for others, and so we chose to work for ourselves. We took the more uncertain path, not because we wanted to, but because we needed to. We value learning, play, and friendship, and we have a need to make a meaningful impact in the world. By following the path of the happy entrepreneur, we learn as much about ourselves as we do about business. On this podcast, I have conversations with other happy entrepreneurs from different walks of life, industries, and countries. We talk about the journey and about what we learned about ourselves along the way. For us, entrepreneurship isn't just a way to make money, but a journey of self-discovery and growth. If you're on the same path and are looking for inspiration and connection, then this podcast is for you. In this episode of the podcast, we're in conversation with John Parkin, the author of Fuck It, The Ultimate Spiritual Way. We hear about his journey of self-healing and how saying fuck it was core to it. It's about not holding on so tightly to ideas and concepts and being more aware of the unfair expectations we place on ourselves, situations or events. When it comes to saying fuck it to fear, John talks about accepting the feelings rather than pushing them away. He says, we're scared of sadness, pain, vulnerability and grief. In normal times, we're all too busy and we don't experience significant pain or joy, and so the nervous system is almost frozen. But when you allow people to be more vulnerable and relax, the ice starts to melt and they get to feel that pain and joy again. 
There are so many gems in this episode. And so if you struggle with dealing with the highs and lows of the entrepreneurial journey, then listen on and learn how the fuck it way can show you the path forward. Just past the turn of the century, uh, I was, I with my wife, we were working in the advertising industry and we're, but we were both into things like, well, therapy, Qigong, Tai Chi, etc. And uh, we decided to pack everything up and go to Italy. So that's why we keep talking about Italy. So we, we were crazy. We borrowed lots of money. We borrowed back then a million pounds and bought a, a big hill with two houses on it. Well, two wrecks on it and renovated the place and put a pool on there. And with our, with our kids, where we had twins, we have twins, uh, but then they were like one year old. And so we went to Italy and I was, we left our jobs, went to Italy, got really stressed. And one of the key reasons we were going was that uh, I wasn't very well. I was, I was chronically unwell. And I thought having a really relaxed life in the sunshine would make me better doing meditation and Qigong every day and just being there in the hills saying om i thought that would kind of heal me with may also with the sunshine and uh, so yeah we we left we opened this place in 2004 so after two two years of madness and that first summer was also madness you can you can imagine it's everything that they they show you on the tv programs when people leave and they go and set something up i've watched those programs but i still ignored them i don't know it's just an insanity to to us that kind of persist through all common sense sometimes and that that was us really with our two young kids <clears throat> pouring all this money into the thing and and then having these retreats where we teach meditation and chikung and there'd be people people teaching yoga as well so yoga weeks and i got more ill <laughs> so i was getting i was getting i got really sick at one point uh, but i was getting more sick and at the end of that summer so september I remember going, we were lived in the guest house that we done that. We lived in the ground floor. So I remember going from the, the bedroom into the <clears throat> bathroom and I felt really not very well. I, you know, I was, my skin wasn't good. I uh, got, got asthma. I was just like not feeling great, felt really sick. And I like, went to the bathroom, I looked in the mirror and I, and I went, what, <laughs> what have we done here? What's the point? My, I, I want, I came here to get better. We've come, we've done all this, we spent all that money, borrowed all that money, done all this stuff. And here we are, and I'm even more ill now. What a waste of, it, that's kind of despairing, really. And, um, and then I thought, well, we live in a nice place. It's sunny almost every day. We're in the hills, got a beautiful family, lovely wife, the boys are just fantastic. I get to sit and do, Chikung quite a lot of time still, even though there's all the other stuff around it. Uh, it's not that bad. In fact, it's pretty good. Sure, I'm not well, <clears throat> but I'm, you know, I'm okay a, a lot of the time. I'm not completely healed. I'm not completely well. And I basically said, fuck it. I, this, is, this is how it is, really. This is how I am. This is how it is. Just accept it. Maybe you're never going to get better like you imagine you get better and be fully you know, fully healed and well and fully alive uh, rather than feeling tired and sick, which is how I was feeling. And um, and I, so I really said, fuck it to that thought of being well. And within two weeks, I was feeling significantly better. 
And within six months, I was the most healthy I'd been probably in 20 years, since my teen years, and just felt really fantastic. So the summer afterwards, I just felt a sense of life and just the an energy and a life, you know, a kind of a sense of liberty that I'd never felt before, really. And it was coming from this thing of kind of, it does not matter so much. I don't, I don't need to be fully well. I don't need to be that. I don't need to be successful. I don't need to be, I don't need to kind of tick all those boxes that have been made for me. So fuck it. And, and, and we then started to teach. Fuck it. We taught a retreat called Fuck It. And off we went. <laughs> So that's the that's the bit where it kind of things changed and things changed for me and that's when fuck it was born really so 15 years ago <laughs> Now that's a journey um there's a lot there I think we can probably well dive into it sounds like well the core of it the way I hear it is this this idea of just acceptance uh, had you and and that uh, feels like there's a basis of that in in kind of spiritual teachings. Was that part of you know you say you did qigong and you're doing retreats? It sounds like there's there's knowing that stuff, but at some point just having to say it to yourself was a was a different stage of that journey. Yeah, you're absolutely right. And it's um, yeah, I I mean I read a lot. I would you know I've learned about Taoism and Buddhism read you know tons of stuff practiced meditation for 10 years uh, in the 90s i was doing tai chi or chikung meditation for two hours a day whilst i was you know first thing in the morning meditating so i was doing everything and every kind of therapy to try and get better and to try and feel okay and i kind of recognized very young so i've been doing chikung since i was 21 i think i recognized very early on that relaxation was really important for me that i that being sick created stress but also stress created or exacerbated the illness so i spent a lot of time learning how to relax and then teaching other people and yeah so the ideas of letting go and accepting things as they are and uh giving up on so they, they were intellectual they were ideas and i'd feel some of it in the practice but sometimes it just takes life to or either timed for you to learn this stuff deeply for it to kind of embody or to end, end life whatever the word is when it goes into your life um so it's time sometimes i think we can learn we can really learn things here then it takes a while to go down here but sometimes it's life that does it it's life that kicks you and then you have you kind of Ugh. and so that really wasn't a, that moment and we i mean it's interesting we're talking about this now during these these tough times and i think life has been pushing us kicking us you know flicking us inviting us in a, in a thousand different ways in the last two three months as well uh, that that's that thing now at the moment is you're bringing it to the present um there's a lot that i see people not accepting <laughs> and because of that getting stressed big time it's it's really interesting now, isn't it? And I, it, and we we we've, we've been running a um, um, it's called Tough Times Therapy, uh, which is a group we open to do once a week uh, about nine week eight weeks ago actually. So it's a closed group. So it started eight weeks ago. So closed then, 
so we've been concentrating on that we've been had this group that we've been doing every week and and i've really noticed the huge difference i don't know whether it's because of what what we've been teaching or it's just a general i think it's it's a general vibe as well that it's really it's really changed how people are over time and yeah at the beginning because we do a lot of sharing in these groups at the beginning people were really stressed and anxious and uncertain and some panicky and scared and grieving you know the kind of grieving the fact that normal life had just disappeared pretty much overnight uh, and well one thing one thing to say is i spent the first few weeks saying at the beginning of each session this is this really does affect it's affecting us all very differently even if there's one thing out there which is a pandemic we've all got different responses and it's affecting us in very different ways financially or health or whatever it is so i felt i really had to say that at the beginning of each session for at least a month as i don't know whether you've you've found yourself saying it because you can't just say this is shit it's awful no. uh it's the worst thing ever and you can't say this is great because i'm on holiday for three months you know you can't really you can't give a, get a one thing because we're all so you can't say oh it's great at least the government's supporting us no the government's not fucking supporting me you know so you don't there's no so there has but what there is now from being that and being the huh, what what there has been we did a session a couple of nights ago and when we were looking at we were looking at insights from this thing and the and everybody was you could tell everybody's a lot calmer they're saying you know um, i i what it's taught me what i've seen is that i'm more resilient uh, I'm better with uncertainty than I thought. Uh, I am. I am more accepting. Um, and then other people can. You know, I realise that I get angry. I realise that this. I re so yeah. There are. I'm still not accepting of certain things, but I'm different to how I was six weeks ago. Hmm. How are you? How are you two? Surviving. Different. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think of what. Well, actually, we had a webinar a couple of weeks ago with Chris Keasley about the grief model and she talked a bit about this stuff of yeah, the cycle that we go through um i think i was i've kind of done it in reverse almost like starting off with acceptance just okay it is what it is and going backwards to now feeling a bit sad <laughs> yeah uh, which is weird but i think it's i don't know i guess as an entrepreneur you learn to adapt quite quickly to things and just deal with it but then you don't necessarily think of the repercussions of it off the bat or me certainly so so yeah that's been interesting to see how that has uh, been for me and then maybe like you said trying to support other people has been our first sort of uh, thought really through this through this time definitely resonated when you were talking about how well what i heard was how different people react to this situation and it's and it's so i found it really Curious, interesting, enraging, triggering, just seeing how people basically, what people would say about what's going on, whether it's like, yeah, it's all good, you know, great holiday, like you said. Uh, and then from that, when I hear something like that, thinking like, well, what about all the people who aren't having a great time? Yeah, yeah, yeah. What does that mean for them? And then and then seeing my reaction, thinking, why am I getting angry now? <laughs> um but I was talking to someone, I was exchanging a message, some messages with someone actually a couple of days ago. One of the things that I found in myself is like, it, it's released this need to think about what's going to happen next because there's no one knows what's going to happen next. So it's, it's kind of like, yeah, cool. Okay, actually, 
I can accept uncertainty even more because everyone's going to have to accept uncertainty because there's no one who knows really whether right. how how this all pans out. So I, I have permission to say fuck it to the future. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think I definitely haven't felt as present as I have done the last couple of months. You know, just been like you said, just focused on. I think of like on a good holiday, you just think of the next meal you know, yeah. or the next drink. And that's kind of for me about, yeah, just stopping and pausing. And the last couple of months has been looking forward to the next thing and or this thing that I'm eating now or doing now rather than planning for the weekend, planning for a holiday, planning for the future, which might not happen. So like you said, it takes away some of that. In some ways, it takes away that cognitive load, really, and just means that you can focus on here and now. It's interesting. I I... I have that too, and and what you, what you say about cognitive load, I'm <clears throat> I'm aware that right at the beginning or or coming into the lockdown, so the you know we were quite tuned into what was happening in Italy, of course. Right? Well, our boys were actually in Italy right at the beginning as it was starting to spread there. So our now eighteen year old boys, and I spent the first I don't know how long, certainly first few weeks, first of all doing what a lot of people were doing, which was filling my head with information about what was going on, what the likelihood of this, what the, you know, what the figures, learning, you know, stat. I've never been exposed to so many stats at the beginning and so much news about this and that. And tr and I was aware, I was trying to figure it out. I was trying to figure out how, how this could affect us all, how it could affect our businesses and the economy, how it would affect us emotionally, how it would affect me. But you can only take so much of that when it's, very, when it's almost impossible to figure it out. Um, so I think there's some level of uh, acceptance, calmness, or day-to-day -day thing has has kind of dropped onto many of us, mm. which is it's kind of it's kind of beautiful, really. And I, I never know. I I never thought I'd be this good with at this level of uncertainty. Mm. Um, but it is. Yeah, yeah. yeah, I think that's. Oh, God, sorry. I was just going to say. Oh, this is a quick one. I was going to say, uh, for anyone watching or listening, on a scale of one to 10, how happy are you with uncertainty at the moment? 10 being saying, I'm in the present all the time, and one, you're kicking and screaming every single day, saying, please give me some certainty. So I'd love to hear how pe where people are at. <laughs> Go yeah. for it, lads. I'll just, it probably changes by the minute if it's me. <laughs> <laughs> Same with uh, how are you feeling about everything? Great and shit and sad and happy all at the same time, or certainly within the same day. Um, yeah, it's, no, a, it's, it, it's an acceleration of emotional. The, the emotional range is greater and the movement through it is accelerated, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Um, no, I was just going to say, I remember when I first read your book years ago, I was thinking about what I took from it. And I think just focusing on the attention part, like what you, what you pay attention to, or paying attention to what you pay attention to means... Yeah. that you might end up not getting the results you're looking for so i think if you talk about fuck it to yeah. um, corona or lockdown or or food or whatever the thing is you're trying to achieve it feels like when you were ill trying to get better actually wasn't the right focus for your attention is that right it's almost just letting go of that in itself helped you find the thing you wanted it helped it helped me get better and that's a very zen thing isn't it when you stop going for something it arrives Mm. And it's very difficult to understand. It's very, it's not something you can easily practice. Um, but it, I think it is, I, th I think an element, and it's really hard to find rules in it as well. But I think elements, an element of success, well, a, a, a contribution to success in almost anything is the ability both to focus 
and work hard and bring all the all the energy and everything into it and have a clear focus mm. but also to let go at the same time of your attachment to it and that's really really difficult to do um how you know and that but that is that seems to be a quality of successful mani manifestation of good stuff mm. the ability to kind of have a sense of what you want so the 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 one the wanting of it letting go to some degree of a how you're going to get there but still working hard but also trusting you know i'm we work hard i'm working hard through this i'm working very hard even though i don't know where it's ending up um but i've got a different level of trust to before so mm. um so yes the that thing of attention without the kind of it's like attention, but with a, a more a wider vision, isn't it? Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, and, and with the stuff you're working, I'd love to know, is that just stuff you planned before? Or I just know with us, like we've just followed, kind of followed what we got energy and time for given, you know, homeschooling yeah. and, and just limited bandwidth. Yeah, um, it's, well, first of all, a lot of, because a lot of our business is live, it's retreats and events. Yeah. Um, that's, either diminished or disappearing so uh, we had to work out how to face that so so for us it's doing things like this this tough times therapy we've done so doing some more stuff online and a lot of it is thinking about well i've done a lot of learning i've gone back to learning quite a lot of stuff so i'm doing a lot of kind of investment in timeless learning new stuff learning how to do new things and also and this is really this almost came out coincidentally going back it's interesting that because i told the story about how i said fuck it originally going back to why what is the passion at the heart of this thing because we've been teaching fuck it for 15 years we've written six books and run dozens of retreats you know you and it's funny when you have something for great creative people like like us and many listeners like most people that were trying to do things that are creative the temptation is to constantly change and constantly move on and constantly change the thing and kind of entrepreneurs will tend to move from one thing to another and uh, that's my kind of default really but to be within something and, and evolve it over time is really an interesting challenge um and so yeah i've can i'm connecting with what the amazingness of fuck it at the moment and it's like why were we doing it what was that feeling the feeling i described that first summer of kind of going god we can do anything this is amazing it's that just it doesn't matter what people think i don't care about achieving this or earning that i just want to ah, that sense of of letting go of things and just doing more what you fancy uh so connecting with that again and seeing where that takes us and it, it's taking so far so far this this room here is i've got like must about 100 pieces of paper on the walls you know we're just ideas for things lots of ideas for new things so that's it's an incredibly creative time for me at the moment and i'm really enjoying it i'm enjoying the chaos of it <laughs> nice in the messy bit the messy yeah the messy bit I, I tidy up my desk but the rest of it is just gets messier and messier um and the messiness of, i don't i like not knowing i like the not the the not having that's the good thing about this crisis and of we do have to say that of course there are many people that are struggling and it's and there are many people that are sick as well or are vulnerable and 
and of course whenever i'm talking about some of the positive aspects of it i always i'm always bearing that in mind um but there are some really positive aspects for me in here mm. uh, of kind of going going back in and learning this and learning that and it's been a it's been a very um informative experience so far yeah. the word that springs to mind when you're talking there is um freedom yeah. a, a real sense of freedom um and then because i say the opposite to that or the thing that stops us from feeling free is this idea of well, this fear and what that's doing to people and whether it's during this crisis or or even before when we were trying to when people were trying to make things happen um there's something about fear that stops us from acting and sure. given there's this this conversation started around the idea of saying fuck it and fuck it i when we first talked we were saying well, we were proposing the idea of calling it fuck it saying fuck it to fear but then yeah. you you reframed it because it was something around saying fuck it and feel the fear and so it'd be interesting to to basically well it would be nice to dive into that a bit more because one of the things that springs to mind again another conversation i had yesterday is like a unique advantage um that people are going to have is if they're able to manage this fear that is the advantage that they're going to have over other people during this time of uncertainty someone even said during disruptive times there are a lot of opportunities but i think you don't spot them if you're scared yeah it's true this is um uh it, it one interesting thing is i think we can't really remember it's easy it's not easy to remember what we were like before it's not easy to remember the anxieties we had before we kind of almost assume now that we've only been anxious scared uh uncertain and everything else during this period it's easy to think that it's hard to remember what it was like before uh and a good exercise for this to go back to what we might have been thinking a year ago or six months ago or something uh and most of us were feeling uh this this is an exaggeration of everything isn't it it's an exaggeration of the answer but it was all there all along there were always things we were anxious about always things we were scared about so it's it's an incredible training exercise really and i suppose yes if we are able to if we're able to uh face the fear and develop certain skills or or just allow certain skills to kind of happen and appear during this time it's amazing they're going to be amazing abilities for after um because i suppose the fear thing i'm just thinking about it in business terms if you're able to face fear head on or, or face the difficulties head on it's it's a great barrier to entry because most people can't uh and i'm i think we're all a lot of us are looking for barriers i'm always quite happy when it's taken me shit loads of time to learn something it's like well it's taken me three months to learn that but at least that's a good barrier to entry i don't know whether anybody else could stay up all night doing this and I, so i think the ability in a business to actually really face things head on face the facts uh which is what mo many many people and businesses are having to do now that were the facts or the uncertainty of the facts but it's like what what do we do now and to and it's a particular thing it's usually not as bad as you think it is when you face it to kind of step in to breathe and to step in and to look at it and then to take it so there's certain there's certain things that can help us do the facing fear thing isn't aren't there there, there can be kind of there can be kind of key tips for it but it's essentially saying fuck it which is the kind of 
fuck it to the I'm it's it's going to be horrible this it's going to be it's going to be awful <clears throat> I'm going to fall apart the world, I'm going to die the world is it's all ah it's saying fuck it to the the, the potential for those feelings and stepping into it and and my experience having faced lots of scary things in my life is yes there's some scary stuff on the other side but it's usually not as bad as you think and and some of those ideas of how to do it really help the idea of step by step day by day just try this bit just do that and then keep doing that really help mm. really got a couple of comments around the idea of fear being this um signal or something within the fear that you can create something positive from it yeah um, i'm curious around the kind of a nuanced aspect around this idea of fear where you know how you react to it is kind of maybe based on some instinctive pre-programmed conditioning whether you run away from it or run towards it because some things you I kind of believe you shouldn't run towards, even if you're scared of them, like a cliff. But um, at the same time, it's like it sounds like having a bit more of a conscious awareness of why you've got that reaction and responding better to it. Yeah, well, I mean, once we get into the 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 depth of the, of the fear thing, you're right. I mean, they're going to be first of all, fear is like stress. Stress and fear are very good signals. So we should not try to dampen our res our responses to stress. If we get very, very, very good at, at the, if there's any moment of stress, we we are very good at relaxing. If you're incredibly good at meditating and calming your nervous system down, it can be counterproductive or counter survival actually. So so fear uh, can be entirely debilitating, of course, like stress can be, and we can be scared about things that don't actually have a great threat to us. Uh, but it is a signal. So our conscious, as you say, Carlos, the conscious response to it <clears throat> is to work out what the signal means. Is the signal a good signal? Is it our system playing up? Is it just I'm, I'm a, a, a habit of anxiety? Or is there something to really listen to here? And if there's something to really listen to, uh, so there's good reason to be anxious for most people and, and fearful at the moment, whether it's with health or whether it's with the economy or people's pension plans or their jobs or their businesses and everything else, there's, there's a lot of reason to be to be for that response to come in, the stress, fearful response. And then, as you say, yeah, we have our histories. My history is that my my mum uh, was is very, very scared of stuff, but would never face it. And so would always kind of try to walk away from it and try to bury her head in the sand and try to just be peaceful and not really face it. So that's why I tend to be more. So there'll be part of that in me, which is, oh no, I don't want to. So fucking go and do it. Let's go in there and, and look at it. Look it in the look at it in the eyes. Um, but as you say, there is the survival thing as well. So the survival, if there's a genuine fear, there's the fight, flight, or freeze. Those was are the three responses. Sorry, Lauren. I was about to say, was she happy for you to take the risks? I live her life through you <laughs> i'll ask her when i speak to her this weekend <laughs> i don't I know whether she even understand the conversation actually the, the talking about it doesn't really register a lot of the conversations i might have about consciousness okay um i suppose i mean it's uh, like my parents were great happy to say you should go do that you should go take this risk you could you should even though they never would ever do it themselves no <laughs> I know my parents would not say go and do it. 
<laughs> they'd be sitting there praying while I was doing it. <laughs> no, it's interesting that aspect of um, you know those are those early beliefs, those early uh, behaviors, habits that we've created that we didn't realize where. Well, many of us might not even realize where they come from. And even you talking about your mother and, and Lawrence talking about his parents. One of the things I've learned from from my father was the idea of risk. You know, trying to avoid risk, and there were really rational, very also you know very true stories that he had around what could happen if you took too many risks, and so that that then just creates one way of looking at the world. And I think part of I understand your work and and what we're moving into at the Happy Startup School is how do you break that open a bit to make sure that it isn't just a one. A, a myopic filter uh, you're exactly right it's um there is there are no rules for it are there there's no because i mean the day yes as you say we um my, my wife is a therapist uh t- t- kind of the the therapy side of fuck it uh gaia does and she's uh she does a lot of work around the adaptive mechanisms that we develop as children so when between the ages of well being born and six or seven if we don't get certain things we if we don't get certain needs fulfilled if we're not loved in a certain way we adapt to get it so a people pleaser is a good example because we'd learn to be that we have to do certain things and say certain things to be loved and then we carry these uh, mechanisms into adult life with us so we we come into every moment with a vast amount of prejudice really uh, it's prejudiced genetically, prejudice from our learning, prejudice from our own experience. So my experience of my my approach to risk now is 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 basically informed by yeah my parents and what I've experienced in life. I've been went out and borrowed a million quid and moved to Italy, and there's certain con- consequences in that. So I've got a more developed view of it. But the uh, so all these things coming out, our adapted ways, our what we picked up, what we've learned, what we understand about how the risk can be and what's happening now it's like god i didn't manage i didn't i didn't imagine this bit could happen i thought our business was you know was uh diversified i thought we it was good to have that amount of money in the bank i I thought that was at least was certain but this really does throw everything open i can't uh so i i go back to something which is kind of in the qigong and the tai chi um which is you know what is this what is this situation and what does this situation require you know what's the need that needs to be fulfilled here what what's required now there's no so there's no rules to that and there might be a there might be some intellectual learning that informs one's response to that uh, but often hopefully it comes from a more instinctive intuitive place but it's like, and that means you could change every single day. You can have the same situation every single day. You cross, you cross the road and some, I don't know, I'm thinking about a good Samaritan situation. Somebody's being mugged. Uh, and depending on what the chi is, you would do different things depending on what feels right in this, in this moment now, even if most of the external stuff, objective stuff seems the same. And so that intuitive response to things, which is then a massive mix, just feels really important. And I... I, I feel that and experience it as energy. So I will ask, what's the energy? What's the chi of this? And then like some like doing a kind of like a Tai Chi move, you're kind of waiting for the moment. And then it's like, okay, now's the moment. And then you move through it. 
Um, and this is this these times are a great test of this, or a great invitation to play with this. Hmm. I hear something around there about there's this self awareness part. You know, what is the energy within you, uh, and how that matches with what's going around you? I'm curious about. You know, when you, it's, it's, it feels like a practice, this, you know, isn't something you can just pick up a book and two hours later, all right, I know what the end, I, I can, I can regulate the thermostat in my body now, so I know what's going on. Yeah. Um, but there seems to be a power, if you can sort of take on that practice that, that allows you to adapt better. I think, um, absolutely, you become agile um the practice is i think people who practice meditation or they practice uh things like qigong and tai chi will develop this naturally uh, but you, you mainly we're mainly talking about yeah consciousness self-consciousness it starts with doesn't it which is being aware of how i am being aware of what's going on which is why i mean especially at the beginning these were so difficult times because if you're self-conscious if you're aware of yourself in these times it's like fuck i feel so angry i feel so peaceful I'm all over the place. I'm about to have a nervous breakdown. I've never felt so happy in my life. It's like, what? Just that's just the last hour. So, and I, so if you don't dampen it all down and just, you know, drink too much, eat too much, watch too much television, not think about it, <clears throat> it's like, whoa. But that practice of being there, if you can be there, and there's the kind of the face it thing, the face what's there, uh, then. It's a great practice for yourself, but then you thought you can start to point like anything, you can start to point it outside. If I practice non-judgment inside, so I kind of go, okay, so I'm I'm upset, so I'm angry, so I get angry, so I'm a bit critical sometimes. That's kind of more of a self-acceptance. I naturally after a while start pointing that out. So I look out through the eyes that I've been looking in uh, at the beginning. Uh, so most I mean, I suppose prog progress for most of us is we're only looking out and judging and doing all our things without any conscious process, looking out unconsciously really. And then we go to the inner process, which is looking in and becoming more conscious and more aware, more open and more accepting. And then we start to look out again as the third stage through those, those eyes, um, more conscious, aware, more accepting. Uh, yeah. There's a thing about looking in is that, um, you need to stop doing stuff in order to actually look inside. Uh, but it feels, you know, and I've, I've had a number of conversations around this, that there's a, there's a fear of stopping doing because of what you might find. Yeah. And how you, and how you deal with that and how you cope with that. And, and as soon as it feels awkward, you start doing something else. Yeah, this, 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 these times must have been a great challenge to many people, I think, not, not necessarily because of their anxiety about the situation. Maybe, maybe somebody's on furlough and they've got, uh, they've got a lot, a lot more time. Uh, and again, I know that doesn't apply to everybody who's been furloughed. So, but let's say they've got a lot more time for the first time in years, maybe all their, their lives. And um, yeah, it, most of us, most people are trying not to look at themselves. Most people live in big cities, uh, entirely distracted. Most people 
a lot of people who work incredibly hard who then socialize incredible do sport whatever it is fill their lives when we fill our lives up with stuff with stuff and jobs and ambitions and distractions there's often some there's a reason we're not being still and going in so you know i think probably cities are largely created to stop us going inside um and this is what i'd argue when i lived in the countryside anyway i'm back in a city now and enjoying it well i was enjoying it before it all closed down <laughs> many of the reasons we came back to england and to brighton have all been shut down um, <laughs> you're drinks go back home. yeah really sorry we brought the sunshine though we, yeah thanks for that yeah, nice. okay. <laughs> well, that whole idea of looking inwards has just given me a whole new perspective about staying inside or staying indoors. <laughs> yeah, we've been forced to stay in or go indoors and then stay indoors, and that's the that's the uh, metaphor, isn't it? We are many of us being forced to stay indoors. We've been, we've been we've all been sent to our room. Yes. And, and that room feels naughty. Clean for a long time. Yeah, and there's no internet, and there's uh, nothing to do. No, and you've got to think about what you've done. <laughs> yeah, you naughty people. Oh, yeah, and that's the. I mean, the that is our fear, isn't it? What's in the room that we haven't been in for a long time? Is it? And I, well, I think what we're scared of is is sadness hmm. and pain and vulnerability and grief probably grief for the things that we've left behind the things that we thought we we're going to do but we didn't do all that all that stuff is in there it's in that that dark and dusty room yeah basically our thoughts the hardest thing to phase up to aren't they yeah yeah i don't know about you because you, you obviously run retreats and have done for years and create those spaces where people are encouraged to reflect and even just the environment i'm guessing encourages that same with us, the sort of events we run that. But often people come for one thing and get something else. Did you find that, that people, and maybe it's the same with this, is like they came or they're, they're dealing with something in one way, but actually something pops up in their head or a thought or a situation scenario pops in their head and they're like, oh, I can't. It's like being forced to look at something that maybe is not that comfortable. Almost always, yeah, almost always. I think, and that's why... I think most, a lot of people think, oh, I'd just love to have more time. I'd love to be relaxed. I'd love to be more open. Um, and most of, I say most of us, and most people, uh, the, the, our lives are quite tight. In normal times, it's like we don't experience significant pain and don't experience significant joy. Uh, so it's like, it's almost, it's fro in the nervous system, it's kind of frozen. Uh, but you can imagine it as like ice. And when you when you go to a space, the kind of spaces that you create and we create, where you uh, you're allowing people to be more vulnerable and relax and do interesting exercises where people can get into that, then it starts to melt the ice. And as the ice melts, it actually goes both ways. So it means the pain, some memories might arise, and you might kind of feel some pain. So there's a lot of tears on a retreat, but also it's the other way, where you you're because the water's now flowing, there's the joy. There's the mm -hmm. joy you haven't felt for years. And there's the laughter and the giggling, the insane giggling. And the, I love the thing because, you know, sometimes tears and the laughing and the crying sound quite similar. Mm. Yeah. And yeah. Opening yourself up to life's emotions, it feels like, rather than just living it on maybe 
not autopilot, maybe a bit harsh, but yeah, you're, you're kind of suppressing the, the highs and the lows. That's right. And there's the same with fear, yeah. Sorry, Carl. I was going to say there's something around, um, I think it's fine to say, Lawrence, autopilot. There's a, a habitual way you live your life. Uh, and when you're talking about the highs and the lows, it's about the way I interpret it, it's about feeling life. Yeah. Uh, and when you're frozen, you're not necessarily feeling. And I think that for me, that relates to your perception of time. Because one of the things, I don't know if you found this, but one of the things that we observe every single retreat is that within the first eight hours, maybe even 24 hours, they f it feels like you've been there a week. Because every single moment, you're feeling something new. While maybe you're at home and you're doing the same thing, and, and you, you find yourself, wow, it's already May, or it's already Christmas. Yeah. Because that whole perception of time has changed, and I think it's something to do with these contrasts in how in your life, and how those different feelings pop up, and sometimes you're not you're just coasting all the time, so you don't see any differences. Yeah, we found we found that over the years with retreat, exactly that that uh, that time really really slows down. So people believe they've been there for two or three weeks by the end of a week. Uh, I tell. There's, a, there's another phenomenon on retreat, which I think is one of the most healing things for the kind of retreats we do. And I'm, I'm guessing for, for what you, you're doing. Um, one of the most healing things that I think anybody ever gets is seeing that other people are going through the kind of thing that they're going through, um, which is why your kind of openness to the vulnerability around entrepreneurship and the business world to to it has its difficulties it has its difficult side it ha it's hard and it's okay to express that is really powerful uh, because everybody's going through very similar stuff but not everybody's saying it um, and that's the thing i have the problem i have with the hustle culture is yeah. that it's it's just about pushing through grinning and bearing it and and this i think this sense of how it makes other people feel is like yeah. am, am i supposed to just do it and not feel shit yeah uh, it then feels unachievable and i feel like actually all of this is achievable anyone can start their own business anyone can do their own thing you know yeah. there's there's very simple principles that you just need to follow but most of the time i believe it's a lack of vision for what i want to create and fear of failure yeah so yeah, this whole idea that, that there's only one type of entrepreneur, I, I'm shifting away from that belief. There's one type of, definitely one type of entrepreneur that's being um, celebrated mm -hmm. and made the pin up. But I don't think that's all, that, that is the only way you can do it. Well, it goes back to the idea of the lifestyle entrepreneur, doesn't it? You know, I remember when we started, there was a lot of criticism came our way from people that we knew in the startup world or the tech world. They'd be like, oh, you just, are oh, you helping people run lifestyle businesses? Ah, okay. You know, like you're not playing big. You're, and it's like, well, yeah. the more we dug into it, the more it's like, well, every business is a lifestyle business. Yeah. It depends on what kind of lifestyle you want, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. We have a couple of questions. Um, mm -hmm. And if anyone has any other questions, please feel free to post them in uh, into the question feature. Or, yeah, if you have any thoughts or comments, please share them in the chat. 
So let's start off with a, a question from Dan. I understand, as I understand it, acceptance is an act of grace. Any effort we make to will acceptance is usually conditional along the lines of, I accept this so that it will change. So could you say more about how you support people in their journey of acceptance? Whoa, crunchy. Um, that I like I like that because it, it's probably true for people that they try to accept with some uh, conditionality to it. <laughs> if I accept it, I'm gonna this is gonna happen. I'm gonna feel better. Mm. Um, acceptance is a really difficult subject <laughs> because most people, most of us, end up thinking it, it is quite a passive thing, and that it it's related to being peaceful around stuff. But proper acceptance is totally radical because it acceptance is the acceptance of everything uh and you get again almost anywhere you go on this subject you get into sticky territory but so it only kind of works if you practice it and try it out but there's kind of different levels of acceptance so a kind of a kind of more passive acceptance you can start with it's like okay i won't i won't shout at the person that just beat me on the street i'll accept how that is i won't i'll accept how that is but it can easily go into the passive direction. Um, but um, the kind of acceptance of of the wider thing, which is I am all these things, including pissed off, angry, da da da. You then get into whole areas of people. Well, if you accept it, you're never going to change, are you? Um, so yeah, ac acceptance is is a is a really difficult one because you you hit issues along the way or in almost any direction you go. Mm. But the ability, you can you can kind of just tell it in people. The people who accept more, you can see it, and you can feel the difference in yourself as well. I can tell when I'm at a higher level acceptance or a low level acceptance. <laughs> and and low-level low acceptance is, is rather akin to, uh, pa too akin to passivity and kind of rolling over a bit too much. <laughs> There's... Um... It seems very meta, particularly in the way this question is phrased and the way I, the way, what comes up for me is like, you need to accept that acceptance might not work because then you've accepted it. <laughs> yeah. We'll just say fuck it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Definitely fuck it. Yeah. Uh, sorry if we haven't fully answered that question, Dan, but th that was an attempt there. But I think John nailed it on the head quite well. Um, it was like a whole week uh, retreats needed for that one. <laughs> Well, we have spent yeah days and days talking about it, and that's why my experience is that it takes you in down different avenues. Mm. Uh, I wrote a book. The last book I wrote actually was called "Fuck It: Be at Peace with Life, Just as It Is," which is about acceptance, and mm. and and it's and it is about these different levels, and the the highest level of being at peace. It's easier to say, it's almost easy to say about the peace thing. The highest level of being at peace with stuff is when you can be all over the shop and you can be angry and you can be reactive, uh, but there's a level of you that's okay with it. So it's almost the, one of the best ways to imagine it is almost like a parent. So uh, a parent with a child, because it's easy to imagine this. We've got children. You, you kind of, we're more okay with our kids doing lots of different stuff and being naughty or doing that or messing up or failing in this or that whatever it would be so there's an okayness that we have as a parent 
around the the vast variety of activities of our, of our kids and so this can be the same thing that there's some there's some level of okayness around both how we are as people and how the world is like a nice benign parent looking on mm. yeah i love that analogy because the thing that springs to mind is the idea of unconditional love yeah it's like no matter what you do no matter how much you fuck up i'm i'm still gonna love you and yeah. you're gonna i'm gonna be okay with you yeah um yeah that's acceptance yeah Un well unconditional okayness <laughs> unconditional okayness <laughs> not happy cool. about it but i'm okay with it <laughs> exactly yeah. that's it i'm fucking angry yeah. but yeah. yeah i'm disappointed <laughs> my mum's still a word oh that's quite the worst isn't it i'd rather be angry than disappointed yeah it's true <laughs> you've let me down cool Okay. There's, lines, there's lines. I'm gonna throw another line in. Uh, Go for it. My because you, if your mother was disappointed, my my mum very sweetly would say um, about most things, you know, as long as you do your best, <laughs> as long as you do your best, and it felt really sweet because it's like you don't have to be top of the class, but as long as you could be bottom of the class, but as long as you do your best. <laughs> but it created a perfectionist in me. Yeah. As long as I do my best, I mean, doing your best all the time is very tiring. Exhausting. Yeah. 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 Maybe it should have been as long as you do your best and it doesn't matter if you come last. <laughs> <laughs> or maybe I that's think, even a double whammy. <laughs> I don't know where I'd have been there. Well, I'd, prefer, I'd have been a perennial per perfectionist loser. <laughs> <laughs> the that sounds like a title for a new book there. It does. <laughs> as long as you didn't say give it 110%. That's like <laughs> my pet hate that one. <laughs> doesn't actually make sense anyway. <laughs> okay we have another question here what risk is there that fuck it can descend into nihilism or even hedonism i.e no regard from the fallout from this to hell with the consequences attitude mm. um i've not seen it yet i've <laughs> 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 been, been teaching it for 15 years uh so the way the way i would talk about it really in fact this is a this is an analogy that's come up recently for me uh fuck it is a tool um uh and if you imagine uh well it can be used in two ways in the Taoist terms yin or yang so you can use fuck it to kind of let go and slow things down or you can use fuck it in the opposite way which is kind of get moving so it's a bit like a bit like a car and uh driving along in the car and the the fuck it for most of us are driving too fast so we need the the brake to slow down a bit. So that's the fuck it brake, and uh, um, we usually need to slow things down. And other times we need to get things moving, and that's when we need the fuck it accelerator. So you go fuck it, I can do this. Fuck it, I'll face the fear. Fuck it, I'll get moving. Fuck it, I'll take the risk. Uh, so so there's those two things. The one problem can be that you're actually in the wrong car. <laughs> <laughs> with this one so sometimes you have to completely slow the car down so say fuck it fuck it fuck it until you you know you slowed everything down you downsize whatever it is and relax a lot and then you realize you're in the wrong car the wrong car is kind of an adap adapted you this is more my wife's work Gaia's work which is I'm 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 not myself I'm doing this for other people I'm a perfectionist because of that I'm a people pleaser mm -hmm. because of that I'm a super I'm a superman a superwoman because of that that I was taught when I was a kid I was taught to do my best at that point, you have to go, okay, what's underneath? What do I really want? What's the real me? 
And that's when you get out of that car and you get in another car that's maybe a slower car. Or bicycle. Or bicycle, yeah, at the moment. Yeah, not public transport. So it's a bicycle <laughs> or walking. Well, you use the bicycle because so it's got brakes and pedals. And then you again, you've got fuck it. And fuck it is then powerful for a variety of reasons, but it's powerful in helping you slow down because you're putting your side, you're trying to put aside all the things that are keeping you going at that speed. And it's powerful to get you going faster because you're putting aside the things that are stopping you going faster, the fear and whatever it is. Um, so that's how it works. So back to the question about hedonism and nihilism. Uh, well, uh, hedonism, if I, I, I'd invite people, and they used to have these questions years ago. At the beginning, it used to happen a lot where people would say, well, why won't I just sit on the sofa watching you know, Netflix, bit, bit kind of lockdown life. That was what people were anticipating. <laughs> sit on the sofa, eating pizza. I'm just going to get fat and I, I'll never do anything. And if I say fuck it to everything, I'll never do anything. And so I'd say, please just go away and do what you've just said and see what happens. And invariably what people do is they, if they did it, they go away. I know what happened to me. I'd, I'd watch, because I do do this occasionally. I'd eat lots of pizza and cake and watch Netflix for a few days. And then I'd be so utterly bored, frustrated with the experience and the fact that I couldn't get off the sofa that I'd then start running and I'd set up a new business and I'd borrow another million quid to do something. So this this thing of like oh i'm just going to end up there it doesn't it you might you try it you then go woof, and you get some kind of balance back to your life and you find out what you actually want to do if we're scared that if we don't work so hard we'd just be really lazy never do anything try being lazy not doing anything see what happens we're trying to find the natural life in us really and that's the answer to the nihilism thing as well um can I briefly explain my this this? Go for it. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. The, the nihilism. It's interesting. This. I think it's it's the fear of nihilism. I. It's the fear that nothing matters, which is possibly you know that there's no overall meaning. This. That's possibly the reality. That's possibly a fact. And it's it's our it's our attempt to run away from this potential fact that forces us to create multiple meanings in our lives through our lives. So we don't tend to have it as kids, but as we're getting older, it's like, what matters is this? What matters is my job? What matters is my sense of purpose? What matters is helping people? What matters is my health? I have to look after my kids. It means having a legacy. It means doing something in the world, whatever. And this gets bigger and bigger and bigger until this massive amount of meaning is sitting on our shoulders and then burns us out or, or makes us livid when something, somebody crosses some ethical barrier or some idea that we have some concept is there. So we are, we're so, we're so interested in things becoming meaningful because we're scared of the fact that there might be no meaning that our lives become meaningful, full of meaning that fuck us over because every <laughs> meaning has the potential for pain. Any, any care, anything we care about has the potential for pain for us. I, I care about my boys. They are, they are living, breathing potentials for pain for me. Well, that's what our children are. You know, you, you don't know real potential for pain until you have kids, really. It's like, oh, shit, no. Oh. So you put stuff around them, you go, oh. But it's just, it, and that's it. I'm, I'm not going to get rid of that potential. I'm not going to reduce that meaning about my kids. 
I can work with it. Um, but to go back to the thing, it's interesting about the nihilism because we've come from a fear of the no meaning into too much meaning. And so to say, fuck it, uh, I wrote a an e-book um, that we, we give away, which is called Fuck It, It Doesn't Matter So Much. And so liberty and freedom can come from realizing, as we do when shit happens, actually, when we realize it's not so important. You know, it's like all of us who had our forecasts and plans for the year and the detailed marketing schedules. It's like, what? It's gone. I mean, it doesn't matter so much. This is what, and that allows you to get physical. This is what matters. And in my experience, when that, when we allow that life back in, we know we don't get to the point where it's like, oh God, nothing matters. Hmm. There's that a natural capacity when you when you let go and open. Uh, that idea of just radical acceptance that nothing matters, but then countering that with, I feel like still having compassion for what's going on and the people around you. You know, it isn't just isn't necessarily for me just giving up and it's all pointless. It's just. I think back to where you were talking about fear, just not attached to all of this having to be a certain way, but not slipping into, oh, I don't care anymore. You still need to care. Just don't have to care. Well, have a go not caring. Way you want it. I mean, it's a bit like <laughs> sitting on the, sit on the sofa, eat the pizza. Have a go not caring. Yeah. You're going to, if you have a go not caring, you're going to find that there's bits of care that pop out no matter what. And that's called perspective. Mm. Yeah, too much pizza. <laughs> cool. Um, well, there's a couple of things here. Firstly, uh, we've got Jessie. She wants to know uh, what books do you recommend that can help with handling fear? And then there was someone as she asked before, which of your books is the best one to start with? The second. The second. Uh, uh, question first that the first book i wrote was fuck it the ultimate spiritual way uh which i wrote in that time when it i kind of discovered it and it so it's full that book is full of life it's full of for fuck's sake just live just come on it's like it's, there's a relaxing nature to it but there's also a kind of we're alive this is amazing and uh, so that's a good one to start with um and about fear uh, I I don't know. Do you know any other authors that are writing interesting stuff about fear? Hmm. I've just read one, but I can't I can't talk about it because ah. it's not published. Ah. <laughs> well, yeah, the only one that came to mind was uh, a few people have been reading the War of Art on our program and seem to get value from it. A lot it talks a lot about resistance for creative types. Yeah, and fear. Um. I'm sure Mark Manson does, but lots of people don't like him. So, <laughs> <laughs> cool. I mean, the classic is feel the fear and do it anyway, isn't it? Yeah, mm. yeah. That's. I haven't actually read the book. I just it's one of those they gave it away in the title. I think too much. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm. I'm. There's a day. Yeah, that is a criticism I face myself. <laughs> yeah, to say, yeah. I've written six books on the subject just to try and prove that you can't just. It's not the answer is not just on the cover. <laughs> <laughs> cool uh we got one last question here from john 
Oh, it's not John. Charlie, actually. Uh, when you had your fuck it moment in 2004, did you feel you could have invited it earlier? If so, how might you have done that? That's a good question. I mean, I, I'd been saying variety of fuck it's before that, including leaving leaving jobs. And so there's, there's, an, there's a quality to me which kind of gives things up and gets moving. Uh, but in terms of the health, um, blimey, I really don't know. I just, I was involved in a, in a world, you know, the holistic health, the whole idea is that you're whole. The, all the, the, even the word itself, they all equal things, don't they? It's whole equals well, it's wholeness and wellness. It's all in one thing. So I, I had a concept, which is that that wholeness of me as a person was related to my health. So I had to be well and healthy in order to be. And that concept had to be attacked and destroyed in some way. Uh, so I don't know whether I could have done it myself, really. Uh, my my goal and my pursuit was health. So I was going for every every thing I could, including moving across the world and borrowing so much money to find it. Um, so it, it's one thing, one learning there is we've got to be careful of the concepts that we take on mm-hmm. uh, and attach ourselves to. Uh, so any concept, any idea around how life works or how we work or how we, where we'd like to go and like to be, uh, it's worth questioning it. Uh, which is why, again, why these are very, very instructive and interesting times, because it's, it's, this virus is very good at attacking concepts and plans, mm. as well as the health and the lungs. Uh, yeah. I get the, um, there's the idea of the, the, the healers who are looking to heal themselves and through that trying to heal others. Um, yeah. And uh I mean, this is an assumption here, but I feel that your work is trying to help people avoid what you went through or give them the opportunity to see these things earlier. Um, yeah, I, I mean, you, you're right in that what I, one way I've described fuck it over the years is is it's an invitation to get perspective before, before perspective gets you. <laughs> yeah, because well, the, 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 the most common way to get perspective, i.e. to realize that most of that shit doesn't matter and what matters is this, and this might be your family, your friends, your health, your, maybe your business, whatever it is, um, the only time we normally get that perspective is when something really terrible happens. So it's a health thing, it's a death of somebody close to us, it's a bankruptcy, whatever, whatever it is, it's a shit thing. So the invitation has always been with fuck it. It's like, say fuck it, say fuck it on a regular basis to the stuff that doesn't, just say fuck it to the things that are causing pain, either let go of them or face them, and you're constantly introducing perspective into your life. Mm. Um, and that's what the, these times are doing that. I mean, the, the, the pandemic is, is providing, as well as confusion, some perspective. Fantastic. Well, thank you very much, John. Um, That's a pleasure. If uh, people want to dive in a bit deeper into your work or, you know, they're curious about what you just said, even this kind of invitation, where where would you like to point them? Um, our, our website, if, you, if people Google fuck it, you come to the website, which is thefuckitlife.com. And there's a couple of things on the front page. Actually, there's a, a, put a piece up there about how we're all facing this differently on the front page about the pandemic. There's two things. One is a, a kind of quiz as to how fuck it 
you are. So it assesses how fuck it you are based on 10 questions. And there's another thing. I mentioned this free ebook, which is the um, fuck it, it doesn't matter so much. And there's a little sign up box on there. So that's our site. We got, and there's also a link to the Facebook thing. Um, so yeah, books on anywhere they sell books and the fuck it live site is where all our stuff is. And if we're about to, we're thinking about what to do after our tough times. We're thinking about a kind of tough times insights thing. So if if people if anybody's interested in that, uh, as long as you're on the list, you'd find out about it. Our email list. Brilliant. Cheers, John. And you'll be um, reporting in from your trip to Italy on how uh, <laughs> doing, doing something is not the best use of your time on the 20th of June. But that's again a bit meta because you're inviting people not to be online, aren't you? Yeah, true. You make, that, that's that's nice though, because if I'm if I'm reporting live to nobody about how doing something is not the thing to do, and that's there's no, there's nothing in the way of a response because everybody's doing nothing. That's kind of that's a beautiful thing. Charles, I appreciate that. Charlie, our friend, um, recommended like lots of communication with people in the run up to it, and then gradually slowing down, and then nothing on the day itself. So that's kind of our plan at the moment. That's perfect. Yeah, and that—that's that you've you, that you've basically touching on my. I've never done this, but my favourite idea <clears throat> for a fuck it weekend or a retreat is to set everything up, and then just not to turn up. And they would learn the fuck it lesson mm. never before, but I haven't done it yet. Still to come that one. And just some cameras, just so you can you know watch them from a secret room. Yes, <laughs> and occasionally shout commands. This is the point. Yeah. <laughs> You're getting it finally. And it's like all the guys and they're all turning on each other. Oh, that's, that's PhD, fuck it. Yeah. <laughs> Lawrence, did you want to say something about, uh, yeah, the day of nothing? Uh, well, I should say nothing, but I will say something. Um, yeah, it's, it's a silly project, really. It actually came out of one of these conversations with Lawrence Shorter, um, who wrote The Lazy Guru a couple of weeks ago. And I think we did a five-minute bit of nothing on the call and uh that was probably the best bit <laughs> not that the call wasn't great but people just seem to like the idea of just being told to do nothing so essentially it's a whole day of that in in june and we released it last week it's already had a bit of interest yeah day of nothing dot dot co and you can sign up and there's going to be a supporting book from a bunch of people in the community who are going to contribute to it um and yeah just seeing where it goes really the idea is just to get people to stop for a day and switch off zoom and crowdcast <laughs> and uh and, and literally do what they want to on a day of nothing for themselves cool but you're charging so, yeah. for it you are charging for it oh it's a thousand yeah, pound I, entry yeah yeah I mean, <laughs> complicating everyone's phones at the door of this festival money for nothing isn't it yeah there you go, <laughs> there you <laughs> go. Start a playlist and it's already getting do, do you want to do that chapter uh, John, <laughs> I will. <yeah. laughs> Money for nothing. Yeah. So um, yeah, it'd be great to get all of your support uh, if you believe in this idea of it. And I think it links very much to what we we're talking about today. Is like when you do stop um, yeah. some of this stuff that pops up, and and hopefully the conversation we had will help with when you do nothing, how to deal with this, the some things that come up. Um, talking about kind of stuff that you can't control, accepting things. Uh, basically rolling with uncertainty. Uh, next Tuesday, I'm going to be talking to Christian Bush, Dr. Christian Bush, who wrote, uh, or who's publishing a book called The Serendipity Mindset. So if you're interested in how serendipity can play 
uh, a positive role in your life and you've got some questions around that, uh, essentially, how, can, how do you make your own luck? Uh, please join me next Tuesday at 3 p.m. here on Crowdcast. And then, of course, next Friday, we've got Sanderson Jones. Uh, that's going to be quiet. <laughs> so for those of you who don't know Sanderson, yeah, he is the founder of uh, one of the co-founders of Sunday Assembly and also uh, uh, an organization around lifefulness. So you'll find out more about that. And I'm essentially just probably spend your time listening to Sanderson tell jokes and rip the piss out of me and Lawrence. So <laughs> turn up to that. It'll be a bit of comedy and a, uh, and a bit of deepness uh, and, uh, and probably lots of loudness. With a so, pretense of a theme. <laughs> with a pretense of a theme. So great. Thank Thanks, you very much again, John. Appreciate it. Thank you. Lovely to be with you and everybody today. Yeah, Thanks, thank everyone, for joining us. Uh, and have a great weekend. See everyone. Thank you for listening to the Happy Entrepreneur podcast. If you like what you heard, please subscribe to us on iTunes, Spotify, and SoundCloud. Also, if you'd like to learn more about being a happy entrepreneur and want to connect with more people like you, then go to our website, thehappystartupschool.com, and subscribe to our newsletter. Amongst many other things about business and life, we'll help you answer the following questions. How can I serve others by being myself? And how can I discover who I really am by serving others?